Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this week's episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on iTunes or on SoundCloud and get it automatically. You can catch the show on Stitcher if you use that. And generally, if you like listening to audio on YouTube, you can find it there, usually a day after the actual podcast goes up because I'm a little lazy. Uh, you can like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. My email is josh at MyFirstSketch.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at MyFirstSketch. Here is your weekly reminder. Philly Sketch Fest will present Philly Sketch Fringe on September 15th at the Playground at the Adrian, where the Comedy Sports performs. There are three shows. 7 p.m. features Dog Mountain and House of Solitude. 8.30 features The Decoy, John and Ian, and The Prince, and the quote-unquote Producer's Choice show with High Drama and Secret Pants is at 10.30. As an extra bonus, Mean Wendy Band will be the house band for the first two shows, and tickets are available at myfirstsketch.com slash sketchfringe. I'm really excited about today's episode because it's the first time we've gone international and recorded remotely using the internet. Today's guest comes from Toronto, and that's in Canada, and was one of the acts that came to Philly Sketch Fest this past April. Cameron Wiley is currently a member of ODAT Dumb, and he came to Philadelphia last April as part of Cameron and Carson, or Carson and Cameron, I don't remember actually how they listed it. He came with Carson Pinch, and they had an amazing show at the Rubik Club back at Sketchfest. Uh, the sketch that he brings with him today is called Tiger Town. Cam takes the role of Craig Kilberger, and I play Paige. And I threw in a couple sound effects for a little extra fun. So let's go to the sketch. Oh my God. What is this? Who is this visionary walking into your once crummy third world village? Could it be the Craig Kielberger who started Free the Children at 12 years old and saved the entire world, including all of you? Yes! Yes, it is! Well, so, so privileged to meet you face to face. The applause is a bit more subdued than I'm used to. Uh, Can I get some more volunteers in here? Uh, I'm the only one left. The rest are dead or presumed dead. Well, you're untrained volunteers. A few mistakes are bound to happen. So, where's my adoring crowd of helpless, distended, third-world children? Uh, Don't they want to have their photo taken with their selfless guardian angel, Craig Kielberger? Kids? Well, the the population's a little low these days. Last headcount, we were at eight and a half. Long story. Well, how can population be down? I sent you 13 goats and a school. Is that what this is about? Do you need me to send more goats? No, 13 goats was plenty of goats. Maybe too much goat. A lot of the locals think that's what attracted so many tigers in the first place. Well, the locals should spend less time thinking about tigers and more time being grateful for what they have. Nobody's even thanked me for the brand new well I had you volunteers dig up. Thank you? Thank you! So much for the clean water well. The tigers have really taken a shine to it. They're out there most of the day, so we're back to drinking from the lake. I mean, we're you, you try getting to a well when there's tigers swarming. No, no, please don't, Mr. Kilberger. They're very territorial. Oh, I'm, I'm such a hog. Let me boil you a cup of lake water. I don't drink lake water anymore. I'm a Fiji man. I love Fiji water. Well, this is a disaster. I come all the way out here for you so you can say thank you for the amazing new life you have and everyone's dead or hiding from tigers. And I don't think the tigers sound very grateful either. I'm going to go to the next village and I want you to think about what I've said. If I ever come back, which I won't, I expect better. No, don't. Why? The sun is setting. So? It's the night tigers. Day tigers are fairly reasonable. But there's no bargaining with a night cat. I could argue. I could bargain with a night cat. No, you can't. I can and I will. 
It's too dangerous. The most dangerous thing is in action and not making a difference. They will eat you alive. You ever see a live magic show? I'm about to. You're um... about to. Time to change the world again. Tigers! I'm going to tell you a little story. A story about a boy. His name was something Indian or Greek, and the point is, he said no. And that's when I showed up and changed his life. Because he chose. He chose to say, help me, Craig Kielberger. And now that sweet Russian boy and thousands like him have books, clean water, and slightly used laptops. And now it's your turn, Tigers. You can choose to stand up and speak. That's my point exactly. It's time to say, yes, we deserve better. Yes, we don't need to eat Craig Kielberger or any of these people. Okay, let's keep some functional distance and unbundle the bigger issue here. Let's talk human capital. Done. Okay, good news. The tigers have agreed to spare me if I let them eat you. What? No. Classic win-win negotiation. They're going to allow me safe passage back to the Durango so that I can live on and tell my story. And guess what? You're a little part of that story, too. You know, it's funny. You signed up to my program to save lives, and now you get to save the most important life of all. Craig Kielbergers. That's me. It would be an honor, Craig. Mr. Kielberger. Mr. Kielberger. Yeah, she's coming! Wait, I have a sick dad. I'll send him a goat. Craig pushes Paige off stage. Off you go! You know something, Kielberger? You really made a difference in these tigers' lives. Hey, Cameron. Oh, hello. As we're recording the... Oh, did I just... Okay, no, I didn't do anything. All right, so we are recording this remotely through the internet. First time for this, so I'm pretty excited. Two separate countries. I know. It's coming together in... International comedy... Mass, I don't know, like, whatever mm -hmm. noun that would be. We uh, One of us has, has to be breaking one of our country's comedy laws by doing this. <laughs> the uh, odds of it are... I don't want to hear what my comedy laws are in this country anymore. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> so where did this uh, sketch come from? What's the idea behind it? Uh, this was one of the first sketches that um, that I wrote with uh, my old duo, Fun Car, myself and Olivia Coburn. Um, she This was um, came from one of her ideas. She had done work with Craig Kielberger, who is a real person, uh, who runs a Save, Save the Children charity. Um, and she just uh, oh, so talking about uh, this Kielberger guy and how he was just so full of himself and a lot of his uh, internal um, communications was just about um, him being Craig Kielberger and him being so self-congratulatory when sometimes he really maybe not be making a difference. So we pushed that to a silly place. So you, this is actually a real person. You've actually, like, like this isn't, you're completely making fun of a real person at this point? Like... Is one of the few times where, uh, yeah, we actually are uh, lampooning a live human being who Man. I'm sure has done some great work. Um, I was not familiar with Craig Kielberger, and I'm not even sure, as we were writing this, I was convinced that was the real person's name. <laughs> um, but after doing this sketch a couple times, people would come up to me and like, oh, I know Craig Kielberger. Yep, you got him. <laughs> All right, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um, but Craig, if you're listening, um, we'll we'll still take your money if you want to give it to us for any reason. So uh, I'm I'm hoping I haven't burned any bridges. Uh, so this is Fun Car. Uh, tell me about Fun Car. Um, okay, so when I started doing sketch comedy, I was uh, in a troupe called Smells Like the Eighties. We uh, we operated for about a decade. It was myself and uh, three other dudes. Um, you know. Best friends, uh, the rest of the troupe, uh, they all live together, so really tight-knit. And, mm -hmm. you know, every troupe reaches its uh, its conclusion. We all started getting too busy to work together, and I needed a, uh, I needed a new project. Um, and Olivia, uh, she was in a troupe called Reverse Oreo. We were both performing at the uh, Toronto Sketch Comedy Festival in 
2011, 2012. You know the classic story. You're hanging around after the festival. You get real drunk. You start to know someone, and you say, wow, we should, we should do something together. And, hey, we both needed things as our troops were dissolving, so we started writing, said, let's, let's do this. And fun car was just the two of you, or yeah, it was uh, it was real wonderful because um, I was used to writing just a lot of forehander scenes, and uh, writing something with just two characters is a whole different ball game. And it was also very refreshing to you know work with a woman. Um, uh, it smells like the '80s. Um, you know, of course, we're four guys. We have uh, had a tendency to go very dude centric. Yeah. Uh, so it was great to um, sort of walk away away from that and do some more. I don't want to say realistic, but some more grounded relationship scenes. Uh, so, yeah, it really started to uh, use some new muscles as a writer. Okay, so what? let's go all the way back. What were you watching growing up? What was your like introduction to comedy? Um, my, my father was a, uh, was a great gateway into comedy. Um, he was so quick with terrible dad jokes and puns um and it just it blew my mind how fast he could come up with stuff and uh he was like a superhero to me and so that was always my goal uh as a kid was can i be fast enough and funny enough to make my dad laugh um i remember my dad was um he was a big fan of monty python and uh let me watch uh holy grail at a very young age and that stuck with me um when i got into um my high school years, uh, I stumbled upon Mr. Show, and mm-hmm. that was a huge moment for me. It just felt like um, uh, like I found this secret, weird show that was designed just to make me laugh. And they were doing crazy, weird things um, that I never realized had, a, had an audience or a place on TV. And that really made me feel, wow, I can make these kind of weird jokes that I like, and maybe they can be something more than just making my buddies laugh. Do you have a favorite, like, Mr. Show sketch? Oh, they're all so great. Uh, but I remember the uh, the first Mr. Show sketch that I ever saw. Um, it was the one where uh, Bob Odenkirk plays a, uh, uh, a sex offender who uh, is back out in the real world. And his, his court order is to tell everyone that he is a, a rapist. So just, uh, I remember watching the, the part of the scene where he's on the phone, uh, and he's like, Hey, uh, you know, Bob's the name, uh, insurance is the game. Uh, raping was a game I used to play, but no longer. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, and that just floored me because, you know, that's a word you, you, you didn't hear. And, uh, to hear him say it in such a, a friendly, charming way, and yeah. then not understanding why he's not making any sales. Uh, it was magical. Um, I ask everybody, like, all right, so you're Canadian, and the, the things I know about Canadian comedy are, you know, kids in the hall. Uh, when I talked to ladies and gentlemen back at Philly Sketch Fest, I brought up Red Green. <laughs> there was, uh, and the other show that I remember, I it was syndicated to PBS here in America, and I think they changed the title of it. Um, here in America, it was called The Industry. I think up there it was called Made in Canada with uh, Rick Mercer. Okay. Um, and, and like Rick Mercer, from what I understand, is kind of like your daily show. Yeah. Kind of presence yeah. up there or like, I don't know if it's a completely apt comparison, but like, doesn't, doesn't he do like mostly like political? Like, yeah, he does. He does topical political stuff. Uh, I don't love Rick Mercer. He just always felt like a, like a soft version of like the daily show. Did but, you get the uh, Daily Show too? Like, like how much American stuff is crossing over? Oh, we get everything. Um, it's uh, we are so hungry up here for uh, American content, and it's a, a struggle for anything Canadian to uh, really find its voice. Yeah, um, but something like the Red Green Show feels uh, uniquely Canadian and found an audience. Uh, now, let me ask you: Did um, did the actual TV show find its way down into the States, or was your first exposure to it the Red Green movie, which I think had an international release? No, no. The, the TV show used to be, like, PBS. It was always PBS for me. Like, PBS was always the weird comedy. Like, that's, hmm. you know, the British stuff got introduced to me through PBS. And Red Green just happened to be on at, like, 11 o'clock or 10.30 on Saturday nights, just randomly. 
Yeah, yeah. Put it on late when the kids have gone to bed. And I think my, my dad or someone stumbled upon it, and he's just like, this is so weird. Like, And I watched it, I'm like, this is weird, but it's definitely not for me. Like, you know, because I was still like a teenager or whatever when I first saw it. And I can understand, I can understand and appreciate some of the jokes, but it, it's a, I don't know. It does feel very Canadian and very, or yeah. what my stereotype of can, uh, Canadians are. Yeah. We all wear plaid and we live in the woods. Yep. Um, so I ask everybody, uh, Saturday Night Live is, you know, the juggernaut of sketch comedy historically. Do you have a favorite cast member? Oh my God. Um, who, uh, that, that is a, that's a tough one. Give me a second to, uh, think about it. You know, I started watching back in the, uh, you know, Sandler Farley days. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a, a real soft spot for those sketches, even though I go back and watch it and it's, it's not very good, but, uh, I still love it from like a nostalgia standpoint. Um, who has really stuck out with me? Um, it's, uh, it's always the, uh, kind of the, the smart writer, um, cast members that, uh, I always feel an affinity with. So, uh, you know, like Seth Meyers or, uh, Tina Fey, like their, uh, their sort of humor and watching them, uh, on update is great. Oh, Norm MacDonald doing updates. That's, yeah. uh, some of the best stuff in the world. Yeah. So so weird and chaotic at times where like the jokes are either completely mean spirited, like, you know, OJ Simpson, all the jokes that he's made through that, that almost like practically got him fired. If you believe certain stories. (laughs) Um, so what's your like introduction to performing? Where do you get the bug to, where do you find out about performing? What is your introduction to getting to becoming involved? Uh, it was through, uh, here in Toronto, we have a uh, we have a college that teaches that offers a comedy program. Um, I didn't go through it, but some of my uh, some of my friends from high school did, and mm-hmm. they sort of brought me into the scene. Um, at the end, as they were graduating, they were forming sketch troops, and uh, my friend uh, K. Trevor Wilson, who has a little bit of exposure in the states through uh, roast battles, and I think Letter Kenny airs down there. Okay. Uh, anyways, he was starting up a sketch troupe. I knew him from like we did drama camp together in uh, when we were in middle school. Okay, so performing has like goes all the way back and like yeah, doing um, theater and stuff in high school or grade seven, as you guys call it. <laughs> That's right. Um, I never had any aspirations for theater. I thought I did for mm-hmm. a while, but it just turns out that I loved making people laugh. So I liked theater where. I had jokes. Right. Like you don't uh, want to do like the Shakespearean tragedies. You, you'd rather do uh, I, whatever else. Yeah. Back then I was just, I was hungry for laughter and still am. That's not to say that I'll never <laughs> want to do something dramatic. Um, but uh, it was the, that addicting power of forcing someone to laugh at something mm-hmm. that uh, drew me in. What college was this that had a comedy program? Uh, this is Humber College in Toronto. Okay. And, um, you know, there's some debate about what you can be taught for comedy. Like, can you make someone funny? Right. Uh, I don't know if you can, but you can teach someone discipline. Um, and I think the most important thing from that program is um, meeting people in the community and right. yeah. learning, hey, here's where shows are. Here's how you get on a show. And you kind of go out and learn in the real world. Um. So the first, so your friends go through this college program and you start meeting and you start doing stuff. Is that where Smells Like the 80s comes in or is that? That's, is that that's right. That was, uh, that was the first sketch troupe and uh, we, I really cut my teeth there, uh, wrote my first sketches, learned how to navigate the politics of a troupe, learned how to navigate the politics of a sketch scene. Um, like what kind of venues are you performing at? Because I, I know very little about Toronto, like other than there's a second city up there and... The kids in the hall played in a bar. <laughs> um, that's what it's mostly been when we when we started out. There were no dedicated comedy venues outside of the Second City, and even that you couldn't just yeah, do a show. Can't, there. Yeah, that was for the uh, Second City main stage cast. Uh, so we'd be playing in the back rooms of bars, uh, trying to find any place that sort of had a uh, 
a stage set up in the back for music and say, hey, can we do a comedy night here? Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of those one-off sort of shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took a while for uh, comedy to find a, a home. Um, comedy Bar is a venue in Toronto that opened about 10 years ago, and it's a dedicated comedy space. Um, and that was a real changing point for the Toronto community, just having a, a hub where you could walk into and... Um, see comedy or know that it's a easy room to book uh, because it's for comedy and it has you know green room lighting setup uh, you have a technician who will work with you mm. um, that was a real game changer and now uh, now we have a, a couple dedicated comedy venues in Toronto we have a comedy bar we have uh, the bad dog theater we have um, the social capital theater um, so three places that are running multiple comedy shows every night plus all these bar shows that still exist. And you mentioned that uh, it smells like the 80s was roughly 10 years or so. Like, Yeah. How, how do you do that? Because, like, I mean, here in the city, we have Secret Pants, and they're, they're the ones that have been the longest running, active, continuously. Love Secret Pants. Yeah, everyone does, and everyone should. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but everyone else in Philadelphia is has become very, like, two years, three years, like, they're there hasn't been that much longevity within the, that scene. So how does a team stay together like that? Okay, well, I have some thoughts about this, and you can tell me uh, how wrong I am comparing this to the uh, Philadelphia experience. Okay. Um, but w- something that's um, magical and also very depressing about uh, Toronto is that there's nowhere to go once you're in Toronto. Um, my impression, at least from... Um, I think a lot of Chicago and New York troops is uh, when you get good and when people know that you're good, there are opportunities that uh, can find you, uh, you know, uh, writing or performing wise. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when someone blows up in a troop and gets noticed, uh, you know, they get snatched out of there. Uh, In Toronto, no one, no one's rewarding you for uh, doing work. So you stick together for a long time and you have, you have years together because uh, you're all staying in the same city where you can really refine your voice. I mean, the stuff you do in your first two years is always going to be choppy and sloppy. It's after that that you really start to figure out, oh, this is who we are yeah. and start to do some really magical work. So you do get troops who are together for, you know, five to ten years here, I think, more often than you would uh, in the States. But there isn't, like, a CTV push? Like, there aren't, like... <laughs> CTV or what's the other? There's another channel. What's the other channel? Um, City TV or wait, like, like there's no like uh, like agents are out there like that are out there like scrounging shows in Toronto. Um, from my experience, not really. There are opportunities, but there are not that many of them. And uh, once you're sort of elevated in that game, you uh, you you stay there for a while. Um, so the, uh, the amount of new blood that, uh, that moves up, it's, it's slower. Mm. Uh, not to say that there are no opportunities. I know people who, uh, who are doing, who are doing great stuff. Uh, but I think it comes a lot slower here and you really have to, uh, I think be more aggressive with your networking and asking for opportunities. Okay. Because I think in Philadelphia, the difference is we aren't the biggest city in the country. We aren't the, um, the pinnacle so a couple of years ago, Philadelphia had an exodus. Like there was a large group of sketch comedians that had moved to New York, LA, Chicago. And that happens mm-hmm. a lot. Like it feels very much like we're like a minor league city, uh, you know, sending people to the next level, either going to UCB New York, where there's a couple of people that I know from the fit from the Philadelphia community that are now on, you know, house teams at fit or, I mean, at, um, UCB in New York or in LA, uh, people studying at Second City in Chicago, like, yeah, I uh, I kind of feel a real kinship with uh, the city of Philadelphia. Uh, we're both sort of in the shadow of New York. Yeah. Uh, people from Toronto, it it feels like once they get in the game, they're figuring out, okay, how do I get my visa? I'm going to Los Angeles or New York. How do I make this happen? Uh, I guess it just happens faster in the states because uh, you can just move yeah, to New York. No you international to worry about immigration. Yeah. Um, or Chicago or wherever you want to be. Uh, so with, all right, so. Oh, but to answer your question again, um, <laughs> the most important thing is uh, we were all such good real life friends. Um, 
the other three guys in the troop, uh, you know, they lived together for, you know, five years. So, uh, oh my gosh, um, the, the troop was just, we'd hang out. Um, we do friend stuff and just write down and jot down all the stupid jokes and riffs we did and turn them into sketches. Uh, we loved being together. We were best friends who had sketches, a thing we do when we hang out. Yeah. Um, so um, and when that, it wasn't quite as business oriented as some troops are, it was a friend troop at its core. Right. And, and, and at the end there was no like animosity, like there wasn't a big breakup. It was just time to move on or. Yeah. We were all just so busy doing other stuff. Uh, it became so hard just to get people together to do shows. So we realized, well, okay, our, our time as a live troop is over. Maybe we'll work together down the road yeah. and let's just be friends who hang out when they can. Uh, so you move on the fun car which is a, a duo. Yes. What's next with fun? Like, so fun car was great. Um, we, um, we came together and we said, what are our goals? Try to write with someone new. Let's see if we can do some festivals and kind of get on the road a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we did that. We, um, we did the Toronto sketch comedy festival, which is a very short distance down the road because we are in Toronto. Uh, we did uh, the, one of the New York festivals. We uh, we almost came down and did uh, Philly Sketch Fest in 2013. Uh, we applied, we got in, but uh, at the last minute we had to drop out because of uh, just some commitment issues. Oh, that's about um, uh, Yeah, I was excited to uh, come see the city. Um, and same thing. We just um, we both got real busy. Uh, I kind of drifted off because I had a crazy new job that uh, was eating up all my time. Uh, so we just sort of fizzled out after around the two year mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, sketch comedy is, uh, so deeply ingrained in who I am and what I love to do. Um, so I didn't last very long without a troop. Um, I started up, um, another troop called, uh, and I, I regret the name very heavily now. Uh, <laughs> uh we were called Bitches Leave. Uh, after the RoboCop quote, uh, with uh, my pal Jamie O'Connor, and yeah, exactly. We we're like, how funny would it be if we just came out with this, with this horrible name, but then just did really nice sketches? <laughs> so we build ourselves as Toronto's nicest sketch troupe, uh, bitches leave, and uh, we we had a fun run. Uh, we did uh, the Toronto Sketch Fest, uh, which was great, and uh, we realized that we didn't love doing live comedy together as much as we love doing these uh weird pranks together so we're like we're more of a prank slash art troupe than a sketch troupe let's uh stop doing uh live shows like what kind of pranks are you doing okay um uh, does philadelphia has a fringe festival right yes. coming up next okay month, yeah beautiful um toronto fringe is the big thing um so we'll, one year we decided let's go advertise a fake fringe show um, so we, uh, we made up posters and flyers for a show called, uh, the skinless, winless Kyle Scott. And it's just, the posters are a, uh, it's a picture of a man with no skin and just one tagline on it saying, a man stole my skin. And we, uh, we hired a, a special effects makeup artist to come and we did, uh, we covered Jamie in this makeup to make him look like a skinless man covered in like caked blood. And we just went out and started flyering for this fake show. Um, and people were getting very excited. Um, no one questioned whether this insane thing was a real show or not. Um, we would direct them to like our friends' shows, being like, "Oh yeah, we're playing tomorrow at the at the George Ignatius Theater. Come see it." And you know, one of our sketch friends would be playing there. So if they did show up, at least our friends would make some money. Um, but just the idea of you know tricking the general public into thinking this was a real show uh just tickled us on such a wonderful level well i think with you know the french festival you do expect weird crazy you know out there shows so a skinless caked in blood person is probably not completely out of the norm oh did you ever what a, like did you ever hear of anyone like did you ever get feedback of the people that were you know sent to other people's shows and that experience like that they had never, never heard about that but uh, we just did get a lot of uh, our friends being uh, or people we sort of knew from the community saying oh this isn't real oh no <laughs> i wanted to see this um 
All right, so you, this pranking group doesn't work as a sketch team necessarily live. Yeah, we had some fun sketches, but we uh, we didn't we didn't love um, we didn't have the commitment. We didn't we we knew this wasn't like a thing to put all our right put all our eggs in this basket. Um, so on the backside of that, um, I, we started up a troupe called Oh Dat Dumb, which um, was another sketch comedy festival late night drunken uh, collaboration. Um, and the, um, the situation was, uh, there were, you know, 10 sketch troops in one room and, uh, we were talking about how funny it would be to start a troop called the gross dudes. Mm -hmm. Again, we love uh, the idea of marketing a group with a terrible name and sort of everyone who came together be like, yeah, I want to be in the gross dudes. That sounds great. Um, we decided to, uh, start working together. So we had, um, we had uh, like a super group come together. We had uh, Matt Cowell and Dave Barclay from uh, a duo called Parker and Seville, uh, Carson Pinch from uh, the Skechersons. Uh, we had uh, Jeff Clark from a group called the Weaker Vessels, Natalie Metcalf from uh, Two Humans. Um, just uh, people who have never worked together but all had the same comic sensibility. So we came together and started writing uh, crazy sketches or... Um, our sort of uh, mantra was, what's what's the dumbest thing we can get away with on stage? Let's write some crazy stuff. And, um, yeah, we've been going strong for, um, geez, maybe four years at this point now? Right, because when, like, when I saw the submissions for this year's Philly Sketch Fest, you and Carson submitted mm -hmm. together, and it feels like Oh That Dumb was like one of the major pieces of like working with Carson and coming down as a duo. What was that experience how did, how did that come about instead of, you know, the full Odat Dumb coming down? Uh, traveling with a group of six people is so hard logistically. And uh, we sort of floated that idea of Philadelphia out to the group. And, you know, uh, some of us have children and it's hard to go away sure. for a couple days. Um, some of us have uh, border crossing issues. And uh, that is a, is a fun wrinkle to deal with. Um, so it was a no from the troop, but, uh, I really wanted to get down to Philly and I talked to Carson about it. He really wanted to go to Philly as well. So we decided to apply, uh, you know, we've been working together for so long that we had uh, enough stuff to fill out a, a two-hander set. Yeah. Uh, so we're like, yeah, let's, uh, let's submit as, uh, just a duo and, uh, let's hope for the best. And the best happened. Yeah. Uh, you guys... You played in the Reba Club, which isn't generally a lot of comedy happening there. And you guys put on this like really awesome, silly show. The big one that I think everyone loved was the bathroom sketch. Like I don't know what you guys call it, but like <laughs> um, our shorthand for that is we call it spicy wet cam, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, which uh, is a bizarre name, but it makes us laugh, and no one else has to know that until now. <laughs> but basically, you guys are uh, so. You guys do the sketch. I forget who does who goes first. Yeah, it's uh, it's me getting wet uh, right off the okay, top. So you're the first one that you you run off stage to go to the bathroom, and mm -hmm. you sneak out the back door. Or yeah, well, here's the crazy thing about that sketch, and I'm I'm sure I must have uh, talked to you about this uh, back in Philly, but uh, so the the club was very. Um, paranoid about us using water inside. They were worried we'd like get water on the pool table. So they said we have to get wet outside of the club. Right. So to do that, uh, I have to run through the green room, across that little hallway, through the kitchen, and get out into an alley. Right. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I can move fast. Uh, I can do this. Um, but then about an hour before the show, uh, we find out that the kitchen is actually going to be in use uh, <laughs> during the night. And so, you know, the taco cook comes here, uh, and he's this hes this surly, heavier, older man, and he he doesn't want us in his kitchen. Right. And we're like, sorry, this is the way it's got to be. We're not going to get in your way, but we got to dart through your kitchen. Um, so we do, we start our set, and, you know, 15 seconds into the first sketch, I leave the stage to go outside. Uh, so I run out, cross the hall, out into the alley. Uh, Matt from the Flat Earth is out there waiting with a bucket of water. He's my water buddy. He's going to help me get wet. Uh, 
awesome. He dumps a bucket of water on me. I've got a bottle of water that I'm pouring like on my front and crotch to make sure that the key parts of me are soaked. Because uh, I have to be sopping wet for this joke to really yeah. hit. Uh, so I'm I'm wet as hell. And uh, good. Time to go back inside. And the door is locked. <laughs> so we're locked out. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been out that back door. Oh, but the garbage area is sort of fenced off. It's like a cage so that people can't get in and pick through yeah. the garbage, I guess. Um, so we're caged outside. The door is locked. You know, Carson's on stage doing Lord knows what to kill time. I'm banging on the door as hard as I can. And I can see inside and I see the taco cook looking at me. <laughs> uh, and after like banging for like 10 seconds, which, you know, in sketch time feels like 10 minutes... Uh, he finally gets up, and I understand finally why he's so hesitant to let us in, because he starts moving across the room with such a pronounced limp. Oh, uh, so it takes him, like, another five seconds to clear, like, three feet to get to the door. You know, he's rolling his eyes as he opens the door. But I get back in and run back into the stage, and, you know, I'm wet, people laugh, everything's fine. But, um, you know, I was maybe out there for... 30, 40 seconds, but during those 30, 40 seconds, I was just convinced, like, well, Carson, you're going to have to figure out how to do a solo set now. Um, how great is this, though, if I just disappear after the first 15 seconds and never come back? That's a, that's a pretty great yeah, joke. I don't remember it feeling like you were gone for that long. Like, the, the length of time that you were you were gone to, you know, get yourself wet was, it felt like an appropriate amount of time for what you were supposed to be doing in the sketch, so... No, no yeah. one was there. Like, it wasn't like, oh, and, what's uh, happening here? It wasn't like there was dead air or, you know. I'm sure Harrison was just like mugging with his like crazy faces, <laughs> um, you know, for the time he was on stage, and that's that's good wholesome entertainment. Um, and then Carson does it, like halfway through yeah. the set. Like, yeah, we do it as a runner. So we come back, uh, you know, two sketches later and do the exact same sketch, except we flip roles. And, uh, and Carson gets soaked. And then uh, I think it was our final sketch where we do the entire scene again in one right. voice. And then we both get soaked at the same time. Um, did Carson have any issues with the back door? Or did you guys stage somebody at the no, door? No, after, after we knew the door situation, uh, you know, Matt would just jam his foot in the door to make sure we could get back in. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and thank God he was out there with me. I mean, I would have gone into full-out panic mode if... I didn't have a second person Being there, but in a trash cage in a like, strange city, randomly while you're performing. Yeah, and it's uh, you know it's April, so it's not like that warm. No, it was pretty chilly that night. Like, yeah, so soaked to the bone, chilly out in this alleyway, caged in. Yeah, uh, but we were able to kind of like look each other in the eyes and be like, "This is kind of funny." <laughs> this will make a great anecdote on a podcast someday. <laughs> right, right, right. Months later, I can talk about it on a podcast. Um, Odette's Dumb, is that your primary um, comedy gig right now? Like, um, Yeah, it is. Um, I kind of have a, a couple things uh, going on right now. Um, I have another duo, duo that I started up this year uh, called Oops, It's Chris and Cam. Yeah. Uh, with my good friend Chris Levier, uh, who's a delightful uh, improviser and sketch comedian. Um, Odat Dumb is, um, we feel like we're sort of at the end of our life cycle with um, live shows because, again, we're all so successful and are finding uh, all these opportunities. It's very hard for us to get together and put in the time that we need sure. to to put on the style of show that we want. So we're we're figuring out how to transition right now into um, a digital uh, group. Okay. Um, yeah, we want to make sure uh, that when we do spend time together, you know, we can get the most bang for our buck. So we want to uh, spend that time we did uh, rehearsing and put that into video production. And you recently uh, did a show with at Toronto's Fringe Festival. All right, what I'm going to get the number wrong. Like it's thirty. Yep. 33? 32. 30, ah, I was off. Uh, 32, 32 short sketches about bees. Um, yeah, that's wonderful. Um, I worked with uh, Chris Levier. That was his uh, brainchild. Okay. Um, he put together a cast of uh, wonderful uh, sketch comedians from Toronto. And uh, it was a very literal title. So within an hour, we performed 32 sketches about bees. Uh, and... 
it was a crazy idea and um but everyone was such a hard worker and so talented and we had uh we had a great man named Paul Bates as our director, so funny and so smart, uh, that the, the show just was met with so much positive response. Uh, we sold out our entire run, we won patrons pick at our venue, and we won the uh, Second City Award for Best New Comedy. So everything was like best case scenario from the Fringe Festival this year. And it was 33, 32 sketches about bees. Yes. So um, a lot of them were about literal bees, but uh, we also uh, had to get creative with what bee could mean. So we had a runner about, uh, you know, Bee Arthur uh, as a spokesperson for uh, a pharmacy chain. Uh, We had a sketch about, you know, Plan B. Um, We had a sketch about um, any any sort of use of the word bee. You know, we had Bee Gees jokes. We had... uh, uh, Buzz Aldrin. We did a sketch about uh, Jesus Christ Superstars. What's the Buzz okay. song? Like the word Buzz, that would be a tie-in for the word B. You know, we had sketches about colonies of people. If you and if you so, think about it, if she had lived a little bit longer, B. Arthur would totally be starring in pharmaceutical commercials because they're all over the place. Like she could very easily be Wilford Brimley doing diabetes testing supplies commercials. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, she is a gift. And uh, is, she, is she alive still? Or is she, she passed uh, four years ago. Yeah, she's definitely gone because Betty White's the last uh, last one. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, she's uh, she is gonzo. So I think she would have loved our show, <laughs> and I hope that um, she escaped from wherever she is and came to the theater to watch with she's us. Like her spectral being, just like hovering over, approving. Yeah, that's right. Just nodding at us. In the back of the theater. Um, so, you've been doing comedy for a while now, and in Toronto, and you've been traveling around. Is there a difference between, uh, like, cities? Like, have you noticed a difference in the audiences of various cities when you go to festivals? Yeah, abs- uh, absolutely. Um, Carson and I went and did uh, Chicago Sketch Fest. This year? Um, okay. This year. And um, we were just amazed at how uh comedy was something that the average person seeks out uh we had we did no advertising we didn't know anybody in chicago we had you know we're on at 11 o'clock both nights so the late shows and the the venue sold out Mm. uh people just were like yeah i'll go see 40 minutes of someone i don't know as part of my friday night And, and that was crazy um, that's not a, uh, a thing in Toronto yet. Uh, I think it's, um, I think that's changing a bit. People are just understanding that comedy can be part of your night and yeah, let's go see a show and then let's go yeah. drink somewhere. Um, but usually it's a, it's a bit of a grind to get a, to get a full house uh, or to get that momentum where, you know, people know that your show is a thing. Where in Chicago, it's just, uh, at least at the festival, it felt like, oh, people know what this is. Yeah. I don't think Philadelphia is there yet either, where, uh, you know, full houses or people that are coming to live comedy just like, hey, what's this? Let's try this. Like, um, Yeah. Um, but Philly has a couple uh, dedicated comedy venues, too. And I'm sure people know, like, oh, yeah, there are places where I can go see comedy any yeah. night of the week. And that's pretty special. Yeah. And then you guys, when you did Philadelphia, like... First off, you were, I can't remember, it was Cameron and Carson, The Flat Earth. And then Pure and Weary Okay, Chicago. so that, that's like, like a who's who lineup, like, especially as a comedy nerd it like was, myself, like that, that threesome together is, you know, going to be as good as you're going to get, I, I think. It was such a hot like, show. It, it was... Uh, it was so great when I think I think we were on first or I can't remember. Uh, I just remember um, being able to watch, you know, flat earth and pure and weary and just not even being able to think about my set or having any nerves. I was just so invested in what I was watching and just so happy to be a part of it. Yeah, because uh, I mean, I guess part of the deal with when you come to a festival like that is to see other shows, other people that you've never seen before. Like you're coming to the festival like that almost as much as a fan or hoping to be as much of a fan, or at least in my, I, I would think that you want to yeah. enjoy something just as much as, 
you know, performing for a new audience. 100%. Carson and I, uh, our show was on Saturday. We got into Philly on the Thursday because we wanted to come out and see, hey, who's doing stuff in Philadelphia? Yeah, Who do we need to know about? You guys, um, I was running the front of the house, you know, and you guys walk in. I'm like, oh, you're already here. I was not expecting that. Like, you know, I was expecting so many of the outside, you know, from Chicago and Toronto to come in so early and basically mm-hmm. hang out the entire time. Because you guys saw pretty much everything that you that while you were in Philadelphia, like you went to every show almost. Yeah, I mean, we didn't. I think there were shows on Wednesday that we that, missed. That, that and was we had the, to the film on. festival. So, yeah. oh, okay, great. And then, uh, yeah, we couldn't stick around for the Sunday shows, which was a bit of a bummer. But yeah, we uh, that was our mission. It's like, what do you want to do when you're in Philly? Like, yeah, let's go do touristy stuff during the days, and let's. Go meet the community uh, at night and, you know, see who we love and see who we want to, you know, work with uh, in the future. Yeah, cause, and then uh, after your show, after the show on uh, Saturday night at Ruba Club, we did that sketch open mic kind of thing. Yeah. You, Cameron, uh, Cameron Carson and Matt and Jackie. <laughs> yeah, we uh, they came up to us and said, hey, we love this sketch we saw you do in Toronto. Can we all do <laughs> okay, this? Okay, so it was it wasn't okay. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, so like the silliness and the the collaboration that can happen when you go to these international like you know other cities has to like you know that's the super fun part because I know Matt and Jackie have gone to Toronto and I don't know if you guys have met mm-hmm. them previously or. Yeah, we just uh, we met them um, as part of the Flat Earth coming up to Toronto, and it's uh, it's so cool to uh, you know go s- to Montreal and they're and they're there, and it's so awesome to come to Philadelphia and um, you know see friends that we've made in Toronto. Uh, you know, we love the Flat Earth and uh, Matt and Jackie and John and Ian have something to tell you. Uh, you know, they're they're our buds, yeah. uh, and. Yeah, that's one of the reasons you travel and try to see new shows is to make new buds. And uh, coming down to Philadelphia again and doing more shows is 100% in my game plan. And I know exactly who I'm going to be calling to hang out with <laughs> and joke with. Yeah, I've met so many great people uh, at the festival. Um, you've been doing comedy for a while. So is there something you would like a bit of information, like a, like a bit of knowledge, something that you would pass on to a new writer? Something that you've learned? Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think um, the most important things you need to do are you need to see as much sketch comedy as you can and recognize what you what makes you laugh and what annoys you and apply those lessons to your own writing. Uh, when you see something you love, go talk to those people. Go find your tribe because you do so many more amazing things when you're working with like-minded people. Um, And also understand that um, you have to work under the impression that no one is ever going to notice or care about what you do. So make the stuff that makes you laugh. Um, That's how you'll find your voice the fastest. If you just focus on what do I love? Um, You had mentioned that like Toronto is starting to get its, you know, uh, dedicate spaces outside of the Second City with County Water. Did you do any of, like, the classes or training center things that Second City has or any other comedy education when you were starting out? Oh, yeah. Um, When I was starting out, no. It was just um, writing sketch comedy based on what I knew it to be from TV, from SNL, from Mr. Show. Um, Eventually, uh, I started taking improv classes at uh, the Bad Dog Theater because I started thinking, oh, can I do anything by myself without this troupe? I got to prove that I can. And so uh, I started doing improv and, uh, you know, got the improv bug for a couple years and met so many wonderful people through the community there. Uh, That's what I love best about improv. You could just do infinite shows uh, during a week because you don't have to do any prep work. You just show up, meet people, see what happens. Yeah, that's definitely like... A positive on improv and an improv's ledger was is just walking mm-hmm. right in and doing it um and then uh finally uh or probably finally uh why do you do it what keeps you back coming back to comedy like you mentioned you know performing as a child you know doing drama camps and stuff 
what mm-hmm. is it about comedy that has stuck with you? Man, it's um, it's part of how I self-identify is as a comedian. So if I wasn't doing it, I'd feel I'd feel a little a little lost, and that's a little scary to say out loud. Um, but the most important thing that I love is uh, I love the community. I love um, meeting people, uh, seeing new acts, being blown away by new ideas, and I love that I can uh, have an outlet for uh, weird ideas that I have, and uh, you know I can provide that service to someone else who watches me and says, "Whoa, that's something I haven't seen before," or "That's a crazy joke," or "You did something weird and wonderful on stage." Now I'm inspired. So it's uh, it's it's sharing that positivity. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks, Cameron. Uh, Thank you so much for chatting about sketch comedy with me, and uh, I look forward to seeing you again in Philadelphia soon. Yeah, I hope so. All right. (laughs) Thanks. If you're in Toronto, check out Cameron with Dumb. Follow him on Twitter at Cameron Wiley. That's with two L's and Wiley. And keep up to date with Oh That Dumb on their Facebook page, facebook.com slash Oh That Dumb. O-D-A-T-D-U-M-B. Don't forget, Philly Sketch Fringe on September 15th. Three shows with some of the best sketch comedy in Philly. And tickets are available at myfirstsketch.com slash sketch fringe. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. Also, for more information about comedy in Philly, head to watercooler.com. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like My First Sketch on Facebook, follow My First Sketch on Twitter. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy. Don't forget to um, subscribe on iTunes. <laughs> leave a review if you like it. And, you know, we don't have uh, an advertising budget, so word of mouth is the way that uh, people find out about us. So if you like what you've heard today... Uh, Tell a friend. Uh, If you don't like what you've heard, tell 10 friends about it and let them listen for themselves and make their own call. I feel like I should be the other way around. (laughs) (laughs) No, people talk more when they're angry. Yeah, but if people are angry, they don't, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, we'll try. We'll see if it works. Okay, if you hate this podcast, then lie to 10 (laughs) of your friends and tell them how great it is. Play a mean trick on your friends. Oh, you should hear this thing. This is awful. (laughs) <laughs> why are you, why did you make it this far in the podcast if you hate it? Uh.